Hi there. You're listening to Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 205. After being in corporate America for quite a while, I was kind of getting a little burned out and really wanted to do my own thing. Attention gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue, and thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I'm really excited about this story because our guest shares with us her journey with her business development. You know, I think so many of us think, especially when we're just starting out, and I definitely was guilty of this too, that you have to nail it right at the beginning. Like whatever you start has to be perfection right from the beginning, and if not, you're not successful. Truth is that no matter where you start, you always continue to progress and to evolve. And Debbie's a perfect example of this. Every single stage of her business was right for her at the time, but when she saw opportunities or when in her heart she was thinking and feeling like she was ready to switch it up, that's exactly what she does. So she's a perfect example for all of us to learn from. And I can't wait for you to hear her story. But before we dive into the show, I want to tell you where I believe we are going to be at the time this podcast goes live. I've been sharing with you over the last five or six episodes or so that I've had something really exciting in the works, and that is a daily planner made specifically for you, gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. I didn't know it was going to take as long as it has to actually get them all printed up and have them available, but they should be ready. (laughs) So I'm super excited to share that with you. I'm recording it now, hoping everything stays on time. In preparation for that, I've also created a video that gives you an inside look at the planner. But even more than that, I go through what has become a lifesaver for me in terms of productivity in my business. And that is what I've termed the power of purpose. People often ask me how I get so much accomplished in my days. And apart from being a little crazy and working a lot of hours, what I do is employ the power of purpose to make sure that all the time I'm putting in is getting the most reward. I'm using my time as efficiently and properly as I can, and I do that through the power of purpose. I invite you to watch this video. It will share with you the concept of the power of purpose, and then it also goes into what the new inspired daily planner is all about. If you already have a planner that you're using, no worries at all, because a lot of the concepts that I lay out can be applied to bullet journals or whatever other planner you have. I bet you're wondering where you can get your hands on the video. Just go to giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash planner. I guarantee you, you're in for a real treat. Okay, are you ready? Let's get into the show. (music) 
Debbie is the owner and certified gift designer at My Daddy's House of Gifts, located in Magnolia, Texas. She's been in the gifting industry since 2014, originally with a business under a different company name. After the passing of her dad in 2015, the company name was changed to My Daddy's House of Gifts to honor his memory. Prior to being in the gifting industry, Debbie had a lengthy career working as an account executive and regional sales manager in the heavyweight air cargo logistics industry, including 10 years at UPS. You might note nothing having to do with gifts. (laughs) In her spare time, she enjoys gardening, traveling, and spending time with her husband, Richard, and giving lots of hugs and kisses to her grandbaby, Isaac. Welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast, Debbie. Thank you, Sue. I appreciate you having me today. I am so excited to dive into your story. But before we do, I would like you to share a little bit of a different side of yourself, and that is to describe who you are through a motivational candle. So if you were to share with us what color it would be and what would be the quote on a candle that speaks all you, Debbie, what would your candle look like? My candle would be white. And the reason why I choose white, because to me, white represents freshness and newness. And the reason why I chose this color is because I remember when I was a kid and we lived in Phoenix, our Sunday school class took a trip to the mountains of Flagstaff, Arizona to play in the snow. And what I remember most was the beauty of the fresh snow and the pine trees. And it's just such an incredible, tranquil feeling. And it would be scented with a clean, fresh scent, like the smell of the outdoors in the wintertime, just crisp and cool. And the quote I would have would be, every day is a new day, a chance for a fresh start and new beginnings. Perfect. And that aligns with the white color wonderfully, right? Exactly. So do you know that I really love snow? That's like my thing. Is it? Yes. So I have been smiling over here when you said the snow and how peaceful and fresh it is. I'm like, yes, she's my girl. (laughs) Yes. I mean, it is. It's just so beautiful. And here I am in Houston and we rarely get to see snow, maybe some flurries every now and then. But that just was a memory that just stuck in my head for such a long time. And it's still a fond memory for me. Well, you just join me in Chicago here anytime you like, and I'll show you a little bit of snow. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure you could. (laughs) I love your quote, every day is a new day, because so many things happen and we could just wallow in challenges that come up or things that don't go right. But having a fresh approach every day just puts you like in the clean mental mind state to move forward. Yes, definitely. Definitely. It's a chance for a fresh start. Every day is. Every day. Absolutely. Let's not do a fresh start yet. Let's go back a little bit and talk about how you transitioned from air cargo logistics into gifting. Okay. Growing up, my mother was the creative type and she was always creating something, whether it was making handmade clothes or if she was drawing or painting, home decorating or gardening. I mean, she just has this creative genius in her. And one of my favorite memories with her was going to the fabric store and helping her to pick out patterns for the clothes she was going to make. Now, unfortunately, I didn't pick up the gift of sewing, but I did get some of that creative gene in me. And I love to do projects with her. We used to do embroidery projects together. And so it was some good memories there. Now, my dad also had a little bit of creativeness in him. He liked to do a lot of building with things with his hands, especially doing home improvements. And 
he was in the manufacturing business most of his life, but he did have a couple of his own businesses growing up. So one of his businesses was a catalog company, which he sold gifts from a catalog. So it's kind of like the foreshadowing of online shopping. That's kind of how I look at it. And another company he owned was an outdoor deck building company. Entrepreneurship actually runs in our family. So my dad with his two businesses and currently my two younger brothers and my sister currently own their businesses. So it's kind of in our genes as well. I've been in the gifting industry since 2014, as you mentioned in the intro. But prior to that, I did work in corporate America and worked in the heavy air freight cargo logistics industry for almost 25 years. And after being in corporate America for quite a while, I was kind of getting a little burned out and really wanted to do my own thing. So I always had this in the back of my mind that I wanted to start my own business, but never really had the opportunity. So in 2010, I married my husband, Richard, and I moved from Atlanta to Houston. And I did work in the air cargo logistics for about another year and a half. But again, I still had that in the back of my mind, you know, I wanted to kind of do something on my own. So I started doing a little bit of research to see what kind of industry would fit with my creative side, as well as dealing with customers, because working in the logistics industry, my position in sales, I grew to love dealing with people and building that relationship and maintaining that relationship. So I wanted to find something that I could do that married both of those together, so to speak. In my research, I came across gift baskets. So I started doing a little more investigating and I thought, well, how fitting. I mean, it evolved around creativity and relationship building, which something that's highly valued for me is I love to build and maintain relationships. I was still on the fence whether I should start my business. I had a lot of questions still and I knew there'd be a lot of risks. And then something happened that really pushed me over the edge. My husband and I were driving through Louisiana on our way to visit my parents in Georgia. And it was nighttime when we were driving and something caught the corner of my eye to the right. I saw this bright light and I just happened to turn and there was this billboard just in the middle of nowhere in the darkness. And it had a scripture on it that said, commit to the Lord everything you do and he will make your plans succeed. And I'm a woman of faith. So that to me just kind of really stuck out to me. And I was really excited about that. And I told my husband about it. And I said, see, there's my sign. <laughs> well, it's in moments like that, you that you get real clarity too, Right. Because just like, why would you randomly turn and see that in bright lights? Right. You know, as I mentioned, it was in the middle of nowhere, in the dark. It was just amazing how it just happened to be there at the right timing. So sometimes timing is everything. Mm -hmm. I often say that you put yourself in paths of opportunity. And so this was is kind of like a path where you were seen and getting confirmation, if you will, whether it's true divine intervention or not, people can have their own thoughts about it. Right. But it's just that interaction at that moment just tells you, yes, go forward. Right, exactly. So I was very excited about it. And shortly after return from our trip, I went through the process of getting my business name and my license. And I was so eager to get started and take the plunge. I took several classes online and I started going to some networking groups. And through a networking group, I met another gift designer. Her name is Pat. 
And she had been in the industry for over 20 years. And she has become so invaluable in her mentorship, helping me to learn my skill, hone my skills, and different aspects of the business. I mean, just has been terrific. And to this day, she still is probably my biggest influence and mentor in the industry. Let me stop you right here because I want to underline three things that you just mentioned that I think for people starting out are really important. A lot of people who are listening to us right now, Debbie, are in a nine to five because they either financially need to be, it's just what they always thought they should be doing. You know, there was never an idea of boy, could I really just make it with a business on my own? And I think we often forget how many skills we develop, even when we're working for somebody else. Right. And I'm sure you developed a whole lot of other skills besides what we've talked about when you were working in air cargo logistics, but you recognized what portions of that job you really enjoyed that resonated with you, that felt good to you as a person. And then you kind of laid the groundwork in your mind as to what you were going to do. You just weren't sure of when the timing was. So my first point here was just recognizing what you like and that you were gathering skills, even though you weren't owning your own business yet. Right. But then at the point that you decided that you were looking to take the jump, you didn't just jump, you did some investigating, some learning and some research and then setting it up right by registering your company and like getting every, like all the foundation in line. So that's point two. And point three is seeking help and advice from someone who's already been there. Absolutely. You know, and your mentor, Pat, I'm wondering if I know who Pat is, because I know a couple of Pats in the industry. So maybe (laughs) I do, I don't know. But most things that we do, someone else has already gone there and is a little bit further ahead of us. And to be able to tap into that is really invaluable. And I think a lot of people think they have to do it by themselves or what they're building isn't really theirs or something. I don't know why, but it takes so much longer when you do it that way. So those three things in terms of identifying skills from corporate, really researching and learning as you start entering in and then having a mentor are all really best practices, golden, golden. So thank you so much for sharing all of that. So we're at the point where you've got your mentor, and what was the name of your first company? Okay, the name of my first company was a play on my last name. It was called A Dame's Gifts. So it was kind of a play on my last name, which is A-D-A-M-E, so A Dame's Gifts. That was the original name. What was that company? It was uh, Gift Baskets. All Gift Baskets. Okay. So it was strictly Gift Baskets, correct. And as you mentioned in the intro, in June of 25, the day before Father's Day, I lost my dad due to complications of ALS, and I was very close to him. Very sorry to hear that. Oh, thank you. And I wanted something to honor his name, honor his memory, keep his memory alive. So I went ahead and changed it to My Daddy's House of Gifts. So that's when I changed. It was in 2015. Did you have any challenges with changing the name in terms of people understanding what you were doing? Or did you feel like you lost any sales or any visibility in making a switch? I think there was a little bit of a challenge in changing the name and re-educating my customers in that process. So what I did before I changed the name, I emailed my customers let them know of the name change that in 30 days, I was changing the name from a dame's gifts to my daddy's house of gifts. 
the biggest challenge also was the website, changing the website to a new name, going through that whole process of resetting everything up with the website. And some of my clients still didn't quite know that I had changed company names. So it was a whole re-educating process for my clients. Mm -hmm. I think I may have lost a couple of them for a short brief time. But once I go back in and visit them and tell them, you know, they understood. And the reason is so endearing, too. It's part of the whole story. So that made sense. Was my daddy's house of gifts then the same type of company as a dame's gift to start with? Yes, to start with, it was. So only a name change. Yes, exactly. So it was still doing the gift baskets, but just a change in the name until 2016. In 2016, I had the opportunity to open up a brick and mortar gift shop. When I had the gift shop, I still did the gift baskets, but I also expanded into actual gifts. So people could come in and shop and buy different gifts for birthdays, etc. That expanded into more than just the gift baskets. Gotcha. And what was your reasoning for going brick and mortar? It was just an opportunity that had come about. I had actually tossed around the idea for quite some time. I thought it would be a way to get my name out there and the company known and to interact with more people. And it was very educating for me. So I learned a lot more. It's a lot different when you have a home-based business versus a brick and mortar business. Talk to us about that a little bit. Sure. So having the brick and mortar, it For me, what was the challenge is having product that I thought my customers would be interested in and buying. And what I would do is I would ask my customers occasionally, what would you like to see in the gift shop? So I would get some feedback that way. Keeping product moving, sometimes it's a bit of a challenge when Mm -hmm. you have the brick and mortar, especially if you have food products, you don't want sitting on your shelves too long. And I did have some food products like candy gifts and things like that. So that was some of the challenges that I had. But on the other hand, meeting just wonderful people that would come in. I had one lady that really touched my heart. It just sticks out to me as an experience that I'll never forget. She came in and she was just kind of looking around the gift shop. And I knew there was something up, but I wasn't quite sure. And then she came up to me and she said, I'm looking for something for my sister-in-law because I just lost my brother-in-law. And then she just broke down in tears. And all I could do was just hug her and tell her, you know, I'm sorry and everything's going to be okay. And I helped her selected a special gift for her sister-in-law. And by the time she left, she actually had a smile on her face. So to me, it was more than just a gift. It was a way of communicating on a human level to somebody. And it touched me so deeply to be able to have a shoulder that she could feel like she could cry on, number one, but also to have a little bit of comfort. For sure. And I think gifts overall, what are they? They're further deepening a relationship between people. Yes. That was a real intense one and impactful. But even someone who would have come in and just bought even more of a routine gift, maybe it was a hostess gift or something like that, you're still then an indirect party to helping someone deepen a relationship. Right. Kind of feel like that's the value behind the gifting industry overall. Absolutely. And that's why I'm so blessed to be in this industry, because that's how I feel. I feel that I'm putting a smile on somebody's face. And I love to do that. Yep. Agreed. Okay, I have a question here for you. When you were home-based, we're going to do a little comparison and contrast here. 
When you were home-based, how were you finding customers? I would do a lot of networking. So I would go to Chamber of Commerce events. There were several networking groups in the area specifically for women, such as Montgomery County Association of Business Women. That was one that was specifically for women. So I would look mostly at networking groups, Chamber of Commerce events, and things like that. And I would go online and research a lot of those out and also do some presentations at realtor offices. Also, I would donate a lot of baskets for charitable events to get my name out there as well. So some fundraising events, I would volunteer, hey, I will gladly donate a basket for that. And they would put out my information and cards to get attention to my business. And so your networking events might have been then through all different parts of the day. Exactly. Okay. So then by contrast, how did you get customers when you were then in a brick and mortar shop? In the brick and mortar shop, of course, signage out in the front, also posting on social media. There was a lot of word of mouth. And when I had the brick and mortar shop, I was connected to a salon. So it worked out really well because we shared a hallway between our two businesses. So as the ladies would come in for a hair service, for example, they were putting color on their hair. Well, they could come walk through the hallway and come over to the gift shop and do shopping while they still had color processing on their hair. Oh, that's so funny. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Love that. (laughs) So it worked out really well. And so I would get a lot of business that way from the ladies that would come in and do hair services. There was also an esthetician. And people that would come in, the ladies that would come in for their services through the esthetician, they would have to walk through the gift shop. So I got a lot of traffic that way as well. And there's also other ladies in the salon that they cut hair for men. And so they would come through the shop as well. So I got a lot of traffic that way. It's a really good point because if somebody is looking for a brick and mortar shop, location can be so important because who are you next to who's going to attract another audience who might also come to you? And vice versa, you bring value then to other people around you as well. So it's something to look at if you're looking at a physical location. So were you still then also networking? No, I wasn't at that time because I was the sole proprietor, so I did not really have the opportunity to do the networking. Okay, can I just tell you here, very smart, because although I'm a proponent of networking anytime you can, being out face-to-face, I've seen so many businesses where somebody will just shut down the shop and go to a networking event thinking that that's a good idea, which it is because you're out in front of people, but then people start to realize that, well... As a shop, it's not necessarily reliable because you never know when you're open or not. Right. And that is a downfall to any business. I think we're on like the fourth best practice that you're sharing with us, Debbie, (laughs) but really smart idea. You kind of substituted different ways, switching out being heavily reliant on networking events with more visibility and just by nature of foot traffic, capturing customers in a different way. Right. And another thing I used to do when I had the brick and mortar shop was I would have monthly events. So I would have, say at the holidays, I would have a sip and shop. The ladies could come in and they could have maybe a glass of wine and some cheese and do a little shopping. Then I may do another event. We did a back to school event one time in conjunction. I did it in conjunction with the ladies at the shop because back to school 
was a busy time for them for haircuts for the kids. So I had a little special going on while they had the special for the kids for the haircuts going on. So we would do events in conjunction with each other to bring business to both businesses. Beautiful. Love that. Yeah, really good. What type of challenges? I mean, I think for a lot of people, the ultimate success is having a store of your own. Having that store on Main Street, at least that's the old traditional thinking of being a success. What types of challenges now that you've done that, you've done it both ways, what types of challenges does a store bring you? Well, the challenge that I had with the store was, and this is in hindsight, the location, even though I did get the foot traffic from the salon, the location where it was located was just off a main bridge right over a lake. It was a lake community. So even though there's a lot of traffic that would go by, if they didn't know that there was an actual little strip center there, they would whiz right past it. In order to turn around, they'd have to go like a mile down the road. So that was a drawback because a lot of people didn't want to turn around and come back. That was one of the challenges that I had there. And just maintaining the customer base, a new customer base to come in. I mean, I had my regular customers that would come in, but getting new customers sometimes was a challenge to come in, even though I would do some online advertising and I had signage out there. Sometimes it was difficult to build the customer base. And just by nature of the costs, you need more customers to maintain a brick and mortar business than a home-based business too. So you're not just replacing what you already had, you're having to, I don't know, triple, quadruple. It depends on, you know, how the numbers were playing out. This is such a great example of an evolution of a business. Debbie first started as a home-based business under one company name, for a wonderful reason, decided to change the company name, then going into a brick and mortar shop. And now, right after a word from our sponsor, we'll see what my daddy's house of gifts looks like today. This podcast is made possible thanks to the support of the Ribbon Print Company. Create custom ribbons right in your store or craft studio in seconds. Visit theribbonprintcompany.com for more information. Okay, and so what does my daddy's house of gifts look like today? Well, what I've done is I did end up closing the brick and mortar store February of last year. I did have it for about a year and a half. And now I'm concentrating on the core of my business, which is the gift baskets. And actually, that's my passion. So I'm back as a home business, but I've evolved into a little bit different than I was previously. So now I'm specializing in areas. So right now I'm specializing in the real estate industry. I've educated myself to find out what kind of gifts they would need, such as referral gifts, closing gifts, pop-by gifts. So I've educated myself in that industry. So that's where my concentration is right now. And then my next concentration will be with the hotels and in the hospitality industry. So I'm able to stretch it and grow it into a little different instead of just gifts for a birthday or gift for a baby shower. Now it's growing more into larger audiences, such as the real estate industry or the hospitality industry. So I'm stretching and growing that way. What I'm really liking about what you're doing, and again, for everybody's product, it's a little bit different. But in the gift basket industry, you want repetitive business and accounts that aren't just going to be for Christmas. Like everyone thinks gift baskets, oh, well, Christmas or maybe Valentine's Day and Easter. 
but you want business that is going to level out your year, both for production and sales and all that. And so by going the corporate angle, really smart. And then even going further, diving into specific industries. And I'm saying this more, I know you know this, Debbie, because that's why you're doing it. But for our listeners, just think about it. If you're buying a gift basket and you're a realtor and you're buying for your clients, are you going to more likely buy from somebody who's a gift basket generalist to all or someone who has unique knowledge of why you're buying gifts and probably has product that more relates to what your intentions are as a gift? So you want someone who specializes in an industry where you're already working. Right. So it's really smart to niche down like that. And I also love that it's real estate and hospitality industries because they're so conducive. They just lead right into gift baskets. Sure, definitely. And I've even, through the National Gift Basket Association, there was a class that was offered and I took the class to get certified in the real estate gifting industry. So it was an intensive course where we learned specifically for the real estate industry. So I received a certification in that as well as received a certification. I'm a certified gift designer. So that shows my commitment to making sure the quality of the gifts is where it needs to be. And that as a gift designer, you know, you're going to get quality products that it's not just going to be some general product that you may see at your local grocery store that I'm committed to the quality of the gifts. By product and design. Yes, by product and design. Absolutely. Did you see a difference in the response with people after you've had those credentials? I did because... I have one particular customer that she is very, very, yeah, I would say. <laughs> she's very what? I would say she's kind of picky or particular in the design of her gifts. She's been a customer of mine for about three years. But once I started improving a little more and, and took these classes and all that, it kind of opened her eyes a little more. So now she's become a really regular customer. But I think it's made a difference when people see that on my business card, certified gift designer, CGD, and then they ask, well, what is that? And I explain to them. And then they're like, oh, well, that's wonderful. Kind of like a floral designer when they get certified as a floral designer. In my mind, I think, well, then you're paying attention to quality of your design and quality of your product. So I think it's an eye opener. And it's no small thing. I mean, you take a class, you have to do a test, and then also go through an interview, right? Yes. I mean, there's a lot to it. It's not just some little thing. Right. Really good. I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot here, Debbie. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So you are great at working with people and you've done that through a home-based business and brick and mortar shop, et cetera. But we know that people can be challenging to work with and it's just the way it is. Yes. Can you recall a time when you've had a challenging situation with a client and how you've dealt with it? Oh, yes, definitely. I had a client, she was a realtor, and I had gone to the office and did a presentation to the whole group there. And after the presentation, she did a couple purchases and she had placed an order with me on some special design boxes. I had sent her the proof for her to approve and... I didn't hear from her. So I sent it again. I didn't hear from her. And then finally, about three weeks out, she said, well, I'm going to have to cancel the order because we're changing the design, et cetera. And I said, okay, well, I could assist you with that. Well, then I get a charge back from her for the whole order. For about a month, 
I would call her every three or four days and I didn't hear back from her. Well, I found out that she was sick. She had the flu and she was sick, unfortunately. So we talked about it and she explained to me that she was a little bit confused. And so we kind of worked it out, but we finally got a resolution to it. And I did partially refund her order. And also she was still under the weather. So I had mailed her a handwritten card. Hope you're feeling better soon and all that just to make sure things were smooth because I didn't want to have any bad feelings or anything like that. So we did get it resolved. And what would be some learnings that you could advise our listeners with a situation like that? I would advise, you know, to make sure that both you and your client are clear and on the same page. So even though it was on an invoice and it was clearly written out for her, she didn't know that she was going to be changing their logo or the design of the artwork. So maybe if there was a little more communication where she would have said, well, hold up, we're changing the design, let's not order it. Maybe that might have kind of avoid a little bit of that. Got it. Okay. And you were talking a little bit earlier about doing gifts for raffles. Were you offering those at no charge? Most of the occasions I would, and it depended on who the organization was and if it was in my budget. And did you see a return? Were you able to see a direct return that if you gave a gift for, let's say it was a golf outing or whatever it is, that you would pick up clients and you could connect client sales directly to that? I have on occasion. I mean, it doesn't work out all the time that way. But on occasion, I have. For me, I'm a giving person. So to me, it was something that I wanted to do from my heart. So I felt like it was helping the organization. And it was just my way of giving back to the community as well. So even if I didn't see a return, to me, it made me feel good that at least I was giving back to my community. And the other thing you said around that, which is important, is if it was in your budget. So that leads me to believe that you have a certain dollar allocation each year of the amount of money you'll spend towards gifts that are going to be donations. Yes, yes. Because I mean, even though I would love to give to every organization that asks, we've got to be cognizant of what our expenses are too. So I have to budget myself every year. Okay, this is how much I'm going to budget for specific organizations and try to stay within that budget. I think this is an interesting point because with gifts of any sort, whether it's gift baskets or candles or whatever, we do get approached for charity a lot, donations or whatever, because just by nature, they're going to look at businesses in the area and can you donate something, et cetera. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think going in with the approach that it is a true donation, because everyone says you're going to get so much visibility and you're going to get customers from this and all that. I think for a business base, you should go in and think of it just as that, as a donation. Yes, I agree with you there. Because as I mentioned, I've had a few returns, but I would say a good percentage I have not. So you just kind of have to look at who you're donating to. Is it really worth it for you? And do you really just want to go in there with a mindset, well, I'll get business from this, or I'm just doing it as a gift, as a donation. Right. And let's talk a little bit about your customers today. How do you ensure that they'll continue coming back for business? Well, I love to spoil my customers. <laughs> oh, good. Tell us how. <laughs> I really love to spoil my customers because obviously that's why I'm in business is because of my customers. So I've done a couple of things to keep them interested in coming back. Like I've implemented a rewards program where they can earn points towards rewards such as coupons for discounts. I even have if they get so many points, they get a free gift. 
And I always try to go above and beyond what they ask. Like I have a customer that she'll order so many Popeye gifts every month. So what I'll do is I may throw in a couple extra for her as a freebie just to say, hey, this is a freebie for you just as a thank you. So you make sure to point out that you've done that too. You don't just let her discover it. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. Because <laughs> I don't want her to come back and say, did you make a mistake? I'm like, no, no, that's a freebie. That's for you. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important sometimes if it's not obvious that you don't have to brag about it or say, oh, great me, but just to kind of slip it in the conversation so that they recognize you actually have done something special. Yes, exactly. In fact, I had one situation where my mortgage lender client, I had done a Popeye program for her where we ordered some chocolate keys for her. And I ended up with three extra for her. So I just kind of in a casual conversation, oh, by the way, you're getting three freebies. And she was like, yay, me. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. So above and beyond for sure. Let me jump in here real quick for an explanation. You've heard Debbie mention now a couple of times pop by gifts. And I recognize that a lot of you may have no idea (laughs) what she's talking about. A Popeye gift is a relatively inexpensive gift that includes some type of a message that people can use for prospecting or to thank a customer for a referral. So realtors or financial industries or anyone in a service industry might purchase a number of these each month and then they will in turn hand them out as reminders and thank yous, etc. to their customers. And then what I do is with my custom gift baskets, I always make sure that I take pictures and send them to them before I finalize the gift to make sure it's exactly what they want because it's their gift. It is customized and I want them to feel like they're having a a say in it. So I always tell them this is your gift. I want to make sure you're happy with it and that your recipient will be just as happy with the gift as well. Oh, interesting. So do you let them make adjustments then after you send the picture? Yes, I do. So I won't wrap it and I'll send the pictures of it unwrapped and I'll tell them, okay, we could change something in there if you want. I can change something out. But I've been real fortunate that 99% of the time the customers have been happy with it. So I don't want to jinx myself, but (laughs) so far so good with that. And I think they feel like they got a part in customizing that gift once they see the photos and they feel like they have that freedom to make a change if they want. Love it. You know, not only that, but when you order a gift, And especially if it's customized, how do you ever know what's actually going out? Because it's not coming to you. It's going to whoever you're sending it to. Yes, absolutely. That's just added confidence that what you're sending looks beautiful, contains great product and all of that. So love that you do that. And that is a big extra step because I'm sure that takes a lot of extra time too. Yeah, it does. But I'd rather have that extra step and that assurance that they're seeing it and What they see in the picture is exactly what either they're going to get to give to their client or what their client's going to be receiving once I send it out. And you equate all of these things then to retaining customers so that they come back over and over. Yes, definitely. Beautiful. Okay. So if you were to think of, I feel like I'm, well, we aren't doing an interview, but I'm feeling like this is 20 (laughs) questions to you. If you think about as you go through your day, is there any app or tool that you're using that you think our listeners could benefit from knowing about? 
Definitely. For my website, I do use Big Commerce, which it's great. I can update my website with new products, etc. But also the tool that I use in Big Commerce is the tool that helps me keep up with my orders. So once I receive an order, especially if it's a custom order, I can enter it into the system. I can see the status if it's awaiting fulfillment, if it's waiting for payment, if it's waiting to be shipped. So that's something that has become an invaluable tool for me to help keep up with my orders because in the past I was pinning them onto a bulletin board and going through them. So at least here it's a snapshot I could look at the computer and say, okay, this is my orders. These are the orders that I have for the day. And that helps me keep up with that. For advertising, social media advertising specifically, I love the app called Canva. I'm not sure if you use that or not. Love Canva, yes. Oh, it's I love it. I'm so in love with it. So I'll do a lot of social media promotional posts through Canva. So I'll put it on my Facebook and then I'll post it on my Instagram. So I love Canva and it's free. So that's the good part that it's free. Yeah. And the other thing that's so great about Canva, it sounds like you're doing exactly this is you can make a design once and then Canva will resize it for the different platforms. Yes. So I really enjoy that aspect of it. And then what I'll do is I'll take those social media posts. And then once I get like a collection of them, I'll go and convert it into my newsletter, so to speak, through MailChimp. So they're nice looking posts. And then I consolidate a few of them if I'm doing a specific promotion. For example, I did one like a beach themed. So I had some beach themed posting. So I put it together and send it out in my newsletter and say, I'm dreaming of the beach during this white weather or something to that effect. It's cold out there. During the beautiful snow, Debbie. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So like, let's do a beach theme, you know, get people out of the winter blue. So do something like that. And MailChimp has been great for that. Mm -hmm. And you're also repurposing. So you're not having to recreate images. Yes. So that saves some time there. So anything to save some time. So that's a big plus for that as well. And another app that I use, which ties in with big commerce, it goes back to the rewards points program is called Smile O, and it works through big commerce and it keeps track of my customers points. So when they order, it'll keep track of their points. So they'll know, okay, I'm so many points away from say a $10 coupon. So they could log into their account on the website and see how far away they are from earning a coupon. So that's another app that I really like to use also. Very nice. And is Smile O just for Big Commerce? I believe it's just for Big Commerce. That's the integration that I use it for. My guess is anybody who's on any type of a platform, at least it's a way to research. And you know that type of functionality is out there. It's a way to research and see. It's not a way, but it's you can research and see if there's something that's applicable to whatever platform you're on. Yes. And I think so much better than using, you know, how you'll see the little loyalty cards like in a coffee shop or something where it's a punch. You know, how would you do that if you're home based and you're not really seeing a customer because they're calling in the order or online orders? Exactly. Just makes you look so much more professional. And the customers love it because everybody likes to get a coupon. I recently had a customer that she had so many points that she had a $25 coupon off her order. So that was a big deal to her. We all love things like that, you know, rewards points and getting coupons and things like that. So what would you say to somebody who's listening, who's maybe just happened upon this show, maybe they've listened to a couple of podcasts, I don't know. And they're now starting to get serious and thinking, okay, maybe I will start a business. What would you say to that person? 
I would say, number one, educate yourself in your chosen field as much as possible because knowledge is power. Do a lot of research with the internet. There's a plethora of things that you could read and research to learn. Take online classes. If your chamber of commerce offers any specific classes, not necessarily related to your field, but maybe just to running a business. And there's a small business association that some colleges, I think our local college, community college has a small business center that they could go to and they could learn about marketing and learn about actually running a business. So those are some good resources. Also, I would, like we were talking about before, about a mentor. Try to find somebody who's been in the industry for a while and talk to them and find out what they've done and what helped them succeed and some of the battles that they face because it's always important to find out from people that have already been there and they can help you with that. So I would definitely try to find a mentor. And if you can, work for free with them or for for them. My friend Pat, that's how I started with her is I would go to her house. She's got a huge studio. So I would go and I would help her do her projects. So she would have some big orders and I would go there and actually help her with them. And that helped me to hone my skills and to learn to put things together a certain way. So if you can, work with them. All on the up and up because she also knew you were looking at starting your own business. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, so it helps me to practice my skills. And then I would say, don't give up. I mean, I know there's going to be days, it's going to be hard, and you're going to feel like giving up, but don't give up. And I have a cute little story about that. A few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to be a career day presenter for some first graders at a local elementary school. And I had a cute little PowerPoint. So it was very interactive with the kids. And we had a lot of fun with it. And one of the slides in my presentation was about characteristics and skills that an entrepreneur may have. So after the slide, I said, okay, pop quiz, what were some of the skills and characteristics that we just mentioned? Of course, you know, they'd get a piece of candy as their prize. So as the kids were giving their answers, there was one young man sitting in the center of the class and I called on him and he just looked at me and he said, don't ever, ever give up. And it just amazed me. That wasn't even on the slide. And it just amazed me. That really hit home for me. Yeah. I mean, no matter what, just like I think in a nine to five where you get frustrated and you're so angry, those types of things don't go away when you have your own business, right? You're still going to have days that are challenging and you just, like you said, you don't give up. And what does your candle say? That's right. My candle says that each day is a new day and a a chance for a fresh start and new beginnings. There you go. Do you notice how good we were? We just tied it all together. We tied it all together. We did. We did. (laughs) (laughs) And now to you, Debbie, a gift specialist, I'd like to offer you a virtual gift. It's a magical box containing unlimited possibilities for your future. So this is your dream or your goal of almost unreachable heights that you would wish to obtain. Please accept this gift and open it in our presence. What is inside your box? Oh, wow. Well, a dream that I've had for many years is to have a horse ranch where kids with cancer and their families could come to spend a weekend free of charge and to help them forget about the struggles, if only for a short time. I love kids and I love horses. And also, the camp would also be for women who are going through cancer because I'm actually a 10-year stage 3 breast cancer survivor. This is something near and dear to my heart. 
So in 2008 is when I fought the whole year of 2008 going through this. And on my road to recovery, one of the things that really helped me was my daughter and I, we were riding our horses together a lot. And we'd ride with our neighbors. And that was so therapeutic for me because horses are very therapeutic. I mean, there's a lot of riding schools, therapeutic riding schools for kids that are sick or kids that have challenges and things like that. For me to have something like that, it would just really be a dream for me. Sounds beautiful. I love it. And you know, the dreams always start with the thought at first. Yes. Just like that night when you were driving back to Georgia. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Oh my gosh, Debbie, thank you so much. This has been absolutely fabulous. If people want to take a look at your website and see what you're offering, where would you send them? Okay, I'd send them to my website, which is mydaddyshouseofgifts.com. Perfect. And they could shop online. So you could actually order online. Or if you prefer a customized gift, there's a tab that you can also click on that says order a custom gift basket. So there are a couple of options. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Debbie. I've gotten to know you a whole lot better during this interview. I am so impressed with what you're doing. And I love the fact that you've had a few stages like home-based, then went brick and mortar. So you got to feel for that for a little while. Now you're back home-based, but not back to what you used to do. You continue to evolve and develop and add additional levels of professionalism, complexity, upgrading, you know, whatever you want to call it. But you just keep advancing, which is such a great example for our listeners. So thank you so much for sharing everything today. I really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you, Sue. I really appreciate it. Okay, that's a wrap. I have two things I want to share with you before we sign off. First off, remember to go and watch that Power of Purpose and Inspired Planner video. You can see it at giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash planner. There's no opt-in. You go directly to the video. Number two, I have a real treat for you coming up next week. This will be the second of my online coaching calls. Each call that I've selected to do here brings a little bit of a different twist, a little different challenge that people are having with their business so that you can see a wide array of solutions and directions that you can take as you're just starting out or if you've been in business for a while and have gotten stuck. I can't wait to share with you next week's online coaching call. Until then, have a great productive week. Bye for now.